Hello and welcome to Let the Bird Fly, a podcast about living freely in the world giving back to us. This is Wade here in the podcast studio, joined by my good friend and colleague, Jason Oakland. Um, Michael is unable to be with us. He is doing important professor things. Yes. He's, um, he's, he's very, very busy right now. He's at a the busy moment. man That's right for now. Sure. And so uh, it will just be the two of us, and we'll be recording what will have to be somewhat of a shorter episode because I have to go teach in a little while. And uh, it's been a busy semester. We do have one episode that I do have to release that we recorded about two weeks ago. So hopefully I can get these out in back-to-back weeks and then we can start getting a little bit more regular and getting content out. I appreciate the people who have reached out and said uh, we would like some more Let the Bird Fly. Um, we will try to who wouldn't get really, you some right? more. Yeah. yeah, who wouldn't? But we've got Michael's wearing like eight hats right now. Yes. I've got Overload and some... Life things, yep. Um, the uh, to uh, to be considering. Um, I mean, I don't have cancer or anything. Right. I'm holding a call right now. Yes. To a church that we have to deliberate, Um, and uh, and so we've just uh, and Jason is in grad school. Um, He has begun his PhD, and so he's got a lot of coursework. And so we have been staying busy, but we're we're hoping to get back to where we can schedule a regular time to be doing this. Um, the two of us are sitting here in the podcast studio today to talk about doctrine and practice, just how those two things relate, and I think that can be a nice short episode and maybe something that grows into something else because there could be some biblical passages we look mm-hmm. at and, or um, <clears throat> biblical illustrations, stuff like that. And uh, for our free-for-all, we're just briefly, you're going to have two people who are very poorly qualified to do this Yes, that are going to just briefly give you their, their World Cup picks, and then I'm going to have to produce this. And get this out. When does the World Cup start? I think the first match is already Friday of this week. I oh, think maybe I should put and this episode out first. Then maybe. Um, and then I want to say the the U.S. has their first match on Monday. So maybe I'll have to get this out before the episode that we already did. <clears throat> so this is going to sound out of order, maybe, or maybe I'll just drop them both at once. Yeah, they get can do people a, a two back for, in. Yep. Yeah. So. Um, Our main topic today will be doctrine and practice, and that's what we'll be talking about. We are part of the 1517 Podcasting Network. It seems like there's just a new podcast over there Um, every few months. I encourage you to check them out. Lots of good stuff happening. Um, 1517, once again, the Podcasting Network. Um, You go to 1517.org, find all sorts of good stuff. I've been been having some devotions up there more frequently. Again, they've got the publishing house. They've got academy stuff. I encourage you to check out 1517.org. And lest then we take too long with our introduction, I'm going to go ahead and throw it to my, my dear friend and colleague, the um, the clerically collared today. Mm-hmm. Yes, indeed. On a Thursday. that's Usually it's Wednesday for you, isn't it? Yeah, it's, it's varied a little Mixing bit. I it mixed up. it up this semester. Yeah. I respect that. Um, I'll throw it to you for the disclaimer. This show doesn't speak for our churches, our church bodies, or our employers. To be honest, much of the time it probably doesn't speak for us. We will be thinking out loud a lot. So approach what you hear with a healthy skepticism because, well, as a responsible resident of planet Earth, that's probably what you should do with almost everything. If you find yourself getting too worked up, tune out, look around, and realize you were just listening to a podcast. That's right, a podcast. So go live free, friends, and don't let us get in the way.
Then that brings us to our free-for-all, where um, Peter used to like to say, you, you've met Peter before. Oh, yeah, Way yes. back when, Peter used to, to come on the podcast. It was great. Um, hopefully we'll get him again. I've, I've asked a number of times. You want to know yeah. him? Yeah. Peter's a busy man. He is. He's a very busy man. He is. Um, but Peter used to say the free-for-all is where we discuss the pressing issues of the day, and so you probably have at least heard, whether or not you care, I don't know, but you probably at least heard <clears throat> that the World Cup is starting for soccer or football. Football. Depending on what you, uh, how you prefer to roll with that. And uh, so Jason and I are just going to quickly, we're going to give our pick. Yeah? Sure. And I always pick one of three teams. So I'm curious. I, I, I remember, I believe, once in the past hearing your, your picks on a podcast before I was here, just, uh, just enjoying uh, as a listener, but I don't recall what they, what they might be. Well, I always pick either Germany, Netherlands, or Croatia mm. because Germany, right? I yeah. studied a lot of German history, right. Netherlands, lived there for the Ph.D., um, lived there when they beat Germany, <clears throat> and uh, then Croatia. I went with with Pastor Bordelin. Had a lovely time, beautiful country, and they made a fun run that I enjoyed. Yeah. Um, and so I usually pick one of those three. I don't pick the USA because I'm a realist. <laughs> it's not that I have anything against it. Right. Um, I'm as, as well, I would say I'm, I'm not going to say I'm as patriotic as everybody because I'm not. But <laughs> but I, I, I'm not like hostile to our soccer team. Right. Um, but so I see. Netherlands and the Germany are on different sides, if I'm reading this correctly. Um, so if I'm reading this right, I'm going to say uh, I'm going to go Netherlands versus Germany for the championship. Ooh. And just because um, the money line is better, yep. if I were a betting man, it's better for the, the Netherlands. I'm going to go with that. I'm going to say Croatia makes a little run. and um, that, that they get out of the group stage. Yep. Okay. And uh, – Say, let me say USA beats Wales in the first. In their I think opener. that's who they're playing. I do think, yeah, they that, that's their first game. Um, that is probably a controversial prediction. I think that they are going to be favored. How many people live in Wales? Not not a lot. Not a lot, yeah, not a lot. So I think we can do it. Yeah, we did beat Mexico twice, right? Yeah, I believe so. In the yeah. way on the way to the World Cup, the I believe the U.S. is. You know, um, one of the two teams in their group that are favored, or have England the, and the put other. it this way, have the best odds to yeah. come out of their out of yeah. And two teams come out of it, right? But two so teams, it could be yep, USA and England. If I'm looking correct, I think it would be a big shock if England did not probably not. I would say if they did not probably win the group, but they yeah. would. It would be a monumental shock if they did not make it out of the group. Mm-hmm. That I think I'm gonna is fair root to for say that. that they don't make it out. Yep. Yeah, um, because of the whole taxation without representation thing, I'm still right. a little salty about that. Yeah, yeah, no, that's understandable because I mean, hey, that was a big deal. Yeah, yep, yep. Um, you're and not, I know they've and, kind of apologized. And I noticed that I've never seen you drinking tea um, from like probably that whole I tea, tried for that a whole bit, tea party it, thing. Huh? Yeah, 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 yeah. The Boston Tea Party, yeah. you know. This is not me. Americans drink coffee. Yeah. Yeah. What do you have, Jason? Uh, I'm kind of thinking, I was kind of, I'm really, I'm really kind of torn. Um, I, I, 
always kind of pick a, a European team to root for. That just kind of seems like how I've how I've gone. I mean, I, I want to see the U.S. do well. I agree with you. I think the U.S. should beat Wales, and I think if they beat Wales, especially if they beat them outright, they're they're going to the round of sixteen. I think um, that's that would be a really good thing. I would agree with you that I'm also a realist in that. I don't think they're probably going to. They might they might win a match in the round of 16, but I, I wouldn't have too much hope going forward there. Um, I do not have the, the bracket in front of me, so I, so I can't tell you exactly which, like... I can tell you. I've got which, it because I'm which, prepared, um, Jason. But I'm kind of leaning. I'm feeling, I, I'm feeling like I might trend more toward the Western Hemisphere this time for my, for my pick. Um, and I think I'm going to, I'm going to go with, I'm going to go with Argentina for really? my pick to win it just cause I, I feel like I need to change it up a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, Argentina's on the opposite side of Brazil, if I'm looking at this correctly. So yeah. And, and there could be an all South American. It could be an all, but that would be, it's been a while since that's happened. I mean, Europe has kind of dominated in the, in the last number of world cups, if I recall, so then I kind of feel like I really need to go um, European for my other team. And, hmm, you know what? Just to make it interesting, I'll, I'll, can is England on the opposite side? England's on the same side. Same side. Okay, then I can't England, USA, Argentina, Mexico, Portugal, France, Denmark, Austria, they all Netherlands all around the the left side. If I'm looking at this bracket correctly, other side. <clears throat> wait, no, you got poor. Oh, Poland. Sorry, not Portugal. So on the other side, you got Portugal, Croatia, um, Ghana, Brazil, Japan, Germany, Spain, um, <clears throat> Czech Republic. I think. Well, then that kind of makes uh, – then I'm going to have to go Germany. I'm going to say Germany and, and Argentina are going to be in the final, but I think I'm going to go with Argentina um, for the for the win. Um, it's really going for Germany twice kind of, though. It, Yeah, <laughs> it is. It is kind of. I, I, there's a lot of reasons. That for, there is. There's a lot of – for but, some reason, a lot of Germans ended up in Argentina. Yeah, right? Yeah. And, I don't know why, why that might be. Um, but I think – I was kind of going back and forth on a couple of the, the different European teams, but I think I'd kind of settled on Argentina like I wanted to go with them, and then I had not looked at how the bracket shaped up. So that kind of uh, – Maybe I'm reading it incorrectly. Narrows my choices just a little bit, but – So I'm, this might be yep. the most useless yes. World Cup yep. prediction that has been put out on a podcast but, or on the internet. Yep. But it's ours. But it is – yes, indeed. Yep. It is the Let the Bird Fly yep. World Cup. Yes. Prediction. Yes. There you go. And I, Mike is not here, but I believe Mike has Wales all the way. He's taking Wales for all the, the win. All the way, I believe. Yeah. Wow. That's what I think Mike would do. Yeah. yeah. That. Yeah. I could. I could see that. I think he's a he's, a, a, a crypto Walesian. Yes. Yeah. As a big big patriot of a, a a Welshophile. Do you think would that, that be could the, be would that yeah. be the the way to say it? Yeah. Or, um. If you're if you if you have a dark horse, do you have a dark horse? Like if you're gonna say this would be well, that'd be my Croatia. That would be your Croatia uh-huh. team. All right, so um, I'm gonna I'm gonna go. Um, I was kind of thinking maybe maybe I'll I'll pick 
Mexico. I'll pick Mexico. I'll stay. I'll stay in the in the Western Hemisphere and pick Mexico for my for my kind of longer shot. You could have picked win. Serbia, and it could have made it even more interesting. Serbia, Ooh, Croatia. Serbia, Croatia. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well. All right. Well, we better get to the main topic. Yes, indeed. We said we were going to keep this short. Yep. And we have not. Right. And for that, I apologize. But we will make our way to the main topic: doctrine and practice. And right now, we are not practicing very well what we said we would do. And that brings us to our main topic, which is doctrine and practice. And I'm not going to lie, Jason and I were going back and forth on well, what, what some topics we can do. And we threw out some stuff that would be really fun. It would take a lot of prep. Yeah. Um, and I was like, I just I don't have a lot of prep time. And I've thrown out stuff, too, that would take prep. We got yeah. some fun stuff when we get a little time Yes. Um, that we plan to be doing. But for today, I threw out partly because uh, I've been working on a, a new book project. Um, and something that comes up in that is... Uh, in the 16th century, right, these debates about how doctrine and practice relate. And don't worry, lest you worry, dear listeners, that we have sucked you into another secret like Luther or post-Lutheranism episode, <laughs> um, a church history episode. Um, that is not the case. I just I thought it would be interesting, maybe a little fun, just to talk doctrine and practice in general because this is um, something that historically has been on my mind as I've been looking at this stuff. Um, but just to get at, how do these two things relate, right? And sometimes you'll have people who err in either ditch um, where, like, doctrine becomes the main thing, but practice is kind of a, ah, it just doesn't matter at all. Or where, ah, doctrine isn't that important, but to fill the void, you really elevate practice, right? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And uh, <clears throat> that's going to be gar- in regards to polity, church structure, worship life, um, governance, you, you, I mean, you name it, there can be all sorts of um, things that would pop up under that umbrella of practice. Um, but the fact is, when you do read the scriptures, you see again and again these these two um, things at play, which is doctrine and, and, and practice. Um, and both, right, are in the realm of, I would argue, you can disagree with me, Jason, if you would like to. I would argue that both doctrine and practice, um, the proper Christian expression of them, rest in the realm of the balance between Christian freedom and Christian love. Right? Sure. Um, I speak the truth in love with doctrine. Yep. Um, and uh, I am bound to the the scriptures and what they teach. I mean, in elements where there is unclarity, I have freedom um, to draw the best conclusions that I that I can. And we these are non-binding. Yep. Um, things, um, but I do so in love. I'm not looking to cause division over these non-binding things, but in love, I am going to hold fast to the things that matter, which may sometimes mean there's division. And Jesus Himself says there must be divisions among you to prove that which is true. <clears throat> the same is with Christian practice. Um, I do indeed have Christian freedom. Should anybody try to make any sort of practice? 
necessary for my salvation. Well, then in Christian freedom, I need to reject that practice. And yet in Christian love, there do need to be practices in the church. And so um, not everything is necessarily going to be how I would want it. Voters meetings, um, aspects of worship, um, how we uh, set up our church authorities, right? There can be disagreements on what how we should... Um, what we would best prefer or what we think works best, but that's not necessarily an area um, for division, although it can become so, right, under circumstances. Yep. And and so um, I just kind of want to talk big picture then about what what are these two things, how do they relate, why do they both matter, and kind of how do we navigate that as Christians, and maybe some more episodes come out of that then because, um, right, you've got, Adiaphora. You've got specific adiaphora, and you could talk about specific doctrines or practices that have been, you know, very controversial. It's it's kind of um, like when you look. Sometimes people will kind of joke about things Lutherans do in the service, like, um, and I've made those <clears throat> jokes too. But like Lutheran aerobics, and <laughs> you know, stand, sit, kneel. Although I I will say we don't kneel enough. Um, I am team bring back the kneelers. Bring like if I'm ever part yep. of a building project, bring back They're, the kneelers, and you don't have to mandate <clears throat> that people use them. And um, you don't have to use them all the time. Well, but. but for the confession of sins or yep. when you come back after communion, and there's <clears throat> there's some nice teachable things that you can do with that. Um, but take something like the Lord's Supper, and people might go, um, you know, it, it doesn't really matter if you kneel or not when you receive the Lord's Supper. And uh, many churches, Lutheran churches today, don't. And it's not a fight. It's fine. Right. But there was a time where that actually was a fight. Um, yeah. When you had the Union churches uh, and the political authorities trying to force the Reformed and Lutheran into one church, and that that kneeling was a confession that this is the very body and blood of Christ because the Reformed did not believe this. And so that um, that liturgical action, which is a free practice, and I don't know any Lutheran church today that doesn't have kneeling, like some with COVID went to commun- uh, continuous distribution. <clears throat> I don't know any of them that were like, we're doing this because we deny the real presence. Right, right? yeah. It's um, usually a, a practical consideration that causes them to move away from something like that. Yeah. yeah, and there can be lots of practices like that that when you look at historically, you go, oh, there's a a lot went into why we do that. Right? Yep. Um, but doing it or not doing it might make sense in, in some circumstances more than others. So why don't we take doctrine and practice first, and I'll throw it to you, Jason. Um, and we've got like 24 minutes to navigate with here. Sure. First, if there's one word I've learned that, that Christians nod their head to and go along with, but don't always necessarily fully understand what it means. And there's many words I've learned this is true of, but one that especially is doctrine. Mm. In fact, I often now hardly ever say the word without saying another word to help explain it. Um, but I'll throw it to you, Jason. Could you explain what we mean by doctrine? Maybe why, why do we get this weird word doctrine? Why don't we just use a clear word? Um, anything that comes to mind when we when I say doctrine? <clears throat> yeah, I think um, doctrine. You know, well, it comes from the the word for for teaching, right? I mean, that's the the root of that. So, and that is that's the second word I almost always attach yeah, on a doctrine. Yeah, and I was gonna I was kind of guessing that might be, yeah. but uh, you know, I I, I didn't want to you know say yeah that's for sure the one, but but yeah, so so the idea of doctrine is you know the the teachings of a church or church body right um which ideally what you would like to see is that the teachings of a church or church body 
match up with the teachings that you find in Holy Scripture, right? That's a positive. Yeah, that that's really kind of the the idea that, and I think for for Lutherans that has really been kind of the focus is that we want our uh, we want Scripture's teaching to be our teaching, and when we say this is what we're teaching. It is saying not only it's drawn from Scripture; it's reflective of what Scripture says, um, and you know we are going to um, tell you what we teach so that you can compare it to the Scriptures and say, "Is you know this is what they're saying? Is that really what matches up to the? Um, is that really what matches up to the teaching of Scripture? Right? Yeah. That that what you find as far as the scriptures teaching themselves so which i again i also think is a very positive thing among lutherans is that they've said um really from the very beginning hey this is what we this is what we believe this is what we teach and here it is in black and white compare it with the teachings that you find in the bible yeah and and if you look at um the very beginning of um lutheranism as a thing if we want to speak of lutheranism and at this time, they wouldn't have thought of themselves as Lutherans. Mm-hmm. Uh, Lutheran was a pejorative, and eventually it got embraced, like often happens with pejoratives. Um, but the Augsburg Confession, which has sometimes been called kind of the birthday of Lutheranism, right? Yep. Because you get this great statement of the faith. Well, it's what we believe, teach, and confess. And um, it's our churches teach, right? This, yeah. this refrain throughout. Um, and, and, and then these are, right? doctrinal statements. So I think, yeah, that idea of doctrine comes from teaching. The title doctor historically means teacher. Um, in the modern uh, world, many think doctor, the first thing that comes to mind is a medical doctor. <coughs> medical doctors are, are great. I personally don't like going. Um, <laughs> but they they can do amazing things. They rebuilt my, my knee. Um but they're practicing physicians, right? They're some are also teaching, but most are like practicing medicine. Mm-hmm. Um, historically, a doctor was someone who got a degree that then made them a teacher in the church. Um, and so, even in Roman Catholicism today, that's a title that can be given to people historically as a a doctor of the church. I think Lutheranism may one day do that with Michael. Right. Yeah. I'm going to make that motion right. if I outlive him. All right. Because I think you got to be dead for it to happen. <coughs> oh, yeah. And if if well, if, I wouldn't, if I wouldn't you outlive both of us, then yes. then do that for him. Still. Yep. I was gonna say not that I would wish that upon him, but the the title would be nice, right? Um, and so, um, doctor was a was a teacher, and so doctrine is what a teacher taught. Um, scripture then is a teacher, right? All scripture is God breathed and is useful for, and we get this long list of things, and so scripture. But teaching is one of them, right? And Scripture teaches God has given his church, Paul tells the Ephesians, pastors and teachers. And the teachers there at that time was not like, you know, WLC or, you know, I don't know, St. Jerome's Lutheran. Uh, But uh, kind of the same office almost, right? Mm -hmm. Although um, you could have different expressions of of this in different places. You could have catechists and stuff like that. but teaching has always been part of what the church has been called to do, the Great Commission. Go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing and teaching. And so doctrine is simply what the scriptures teach us. 
Um, and uh, and so sometimes when when you hear that word doctor, maybe let it be a helpful reminder that historically the thing to learn and teach was the was the scriptures, right? Right. Yeah. This is why the university has existed in many places. Um, although now a doctor, like when people find out I'm a doctor, my dear friend Abraham Sanchez, <clears throat> uh, my seven-year-old neighbor, right? He can't. He just can't believe that I'm a doctor because I don't like practice medicine. Right. Yep. Um, I remember once we were flying, uh, my wife and I to Europe, and uh, <clears throat> must have maybe we were going in Amsterdam, but I think we were going to Germany um, eventually. And someone had a medical episode on the plane, and so they they said, "Is there a is there a doctor on the plane?" And I had, um, I think it just recently got my doctorate. Well, maybe I wasn't flying with maybe I was flying with a friend, but I remember <laughs> I joked like I was gonna say, "Oh yeah, you yeah. know, um, I am," um, and then it must be with a friend, and uh, you know they kind of were like, "Don't be stupid," and laugh. <laughs> and uh, but I you know to. It would have been like, would, oh, what kind of doctor in like early, early modern European history, mm. specifically intellectual history, right? Yes. And that would have been funny to me, but yep. probably not anyone else. But that idea of... <clears throat> At least not in the moment. Maybe afterward they would have thought, well. Right. But that we don't often think of non-medical doctorates as doctor in the same way. That's, a, that's an inversion of historically what this was. And so at like Paul's time... Um, to be a doctor, to be a teacher, wasn't to have a PhD or an MD at all. It was an office within the church to which one was was called um, as a presbyter, an episcopus, um, uh, or or you know these different offices that developed. So doctrine is teaching. Um, that teaching um, is not mere passing on of information, like um, you know, as a history professor, sometimes students dread coming in because. Um, they've maybe not had anyone teach them history in a way that isn't just memorize name, dates, places. And that's my least favorite way to do history. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you have to know some name, date, places stuff, but, but history is so much more than that. Um, as a, so this is not the Bible is just information like name, dates, places. I always joke with my students in 110, like I don't know all the kings of Israel, and some of them do because they had to learn it. They were raised Lutheran, and I'm very glad I wasn't um, in some ways. Like, I've never sung that uh, Noah had an Arky Arky song. <laughs> yep. Like, like the, the like Bible camps and stuff in Sunday school, when I came into Lutheranism, that seemed very weird to me. And it's, it's cool. Like, it's a little less weird to me now, but, like, I never had to do that. I've never, never memorized the books of the Bible. You know what I use, Jason? What? Here's the table of contents. The table of contents? Yep. I never had to like sing a song to memorize that. Yeah. Um, and I never memorized all the kings of Israel. And I often joke with them, can you imagine knowing all the names of all the kings of Israel, but then going to hell? <laughs> right? That would be bad. Because by Bible teaching, we don't simply mean um, knowing names, date, places. Although those can be important. And I do know a fair amount. Yep. I had to. They made me. Right. And, seven. Yeah. Um, and it's good to know a little bit when you're trying to teach it. But, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but it's also knowing these teachings, these all everything whatsoever I have commanded you is to know how they relate. And here it's important to keep in mind that Jesus says what to his opponents? He says, you diligently study the scriptures, right? That you may have, may have life. 
but these are they that testify <clears throat> about me. And this is where probably my, my favorite professor I've ever had, and I'm guessing maybe yours, drove this home again and again, that if you don't understand that Christ is the, the beating heart of all doctrine, that all doctrine comes back to Christ, then you're not doing doctrine right. And sometimes, myself included, we'll kind of joke about Lutherans and Lutherans, you know, alphabet soup and always dividing, whatever. <laughs> yep. But part of the reason for that vigilance about doctrine is the understanding that um, that all doctrine in the end is it's kind of like Christ is the hub and this is a bicycle wheel with spokes coming up. Yep. <clears throat> Relates back to Christ. And as someone who likes to bicycle, I can assure you, if you pop a spoke, you can go for a while, usually if you're not fat like me. Um, <laughs> you pop two spokes, okay, it's going to get harder. Eventually your wheel's going to potato chip. Yeah. Right? Um, and then it's going to collapse. Yep. And and so when we talk teaching too, we're not just talking like getting 100% on the Bible trivia quiz. We mean knowing these these key teachings, these um these teachings of how God relates to man, how we relate to each other, and then how these are, are centered in Christ, right? So it's more than bare knowledge. Um, all doctrine is, uh, is centered in the person and work of Jesus Christ for sinners, namely me and you, mm-hmm. right? Um, is that yeah. fair to say, Jason? No, I think that's fair, yeah, and I think especially that... that which, you know, the, the doctrine of justification, you know, is another way to talk about that, right? That, that specifically that person and work of Jesus in saving us, you know, that, that is a big part of, it, you get that, uh, if you keep that straight, that, that has a, a way of kind of holding a few other things true, right? You know, as in holding it true to its shape and what they're, you know, keeping the spokes straight yeah if you if you want to use that picture of the wheel right yeah um so so yeah i think that's that's fair to say and i think that's that's accurate and um you know there have been plenty of theologians through the years that have made that observation and and said yeah we this is this is the most important when it comes to these teachings of scripture and what the church then should teach and that's not to say that it's only jesus that matters right that like, you know, the um, the doctrine of, uh, um, you know, uh, church and state. Mm-hmm. That Romans thirteen doesn't matter because it's <coughs> it's not Jesus, right? Right. Um, it is to say though that these things are grounded and rooted in Jesus, because even with church and state, we're talking about the two ways that God governs. Right. He God still governs through the state. For our good, the ascended Christ does that. <clears throat> he rules all things for our good, but he just doesn't govern the same way that he governs through the church with word and sacrament. Um, and Jesus himself has opponents who come to him again and again and ask him doctrinal questions. Oh, yeah. And then he'll be like, guys. <laughs> like, A, he knows they're doing it as a trap, but also he'll be like, you're missing the point. Yes. Like this question, think of like the resurrection. Who's, whose husband will this woman be that's married? You know, each guy keeps dying. Yep, yep. And she's married. And Jesus says, guys, that's not the point of the doctrine of the resurrection. Yeah, like, being able to have the right answer to that particular question right. is really not what's at issue here. Right. When the resurrection and the life is standing right in front of you. Yeah. Um, yep. 
All right, and I think maybe if we can make as the goal for this episode, because so we've got doctrine, let's define practice, and then maybe we circle back to this with some instances or some okay, yep. so Bible Sounds passages like a <clears throat> in a future episode. Um, so doctrine, teaching, and um, we're commanded to t- teach the whole counsel of God, but all centered in Christ. And I think that's um, the particularly Lutheran contribution to Christianity mm-hmm. is this insistence. Because while everybody would be like, oh, yeah, the Bible's about Jesus— Lutherans are like doggedly insistent on theology being at its core about Christ. Um, and everything radi- radiates out from there, which has kept Lutherans, thankfully, at least um, pre-modernity, you know, modernity, um, from speculating on all sorts of right. things. As sometimes the Reformed or Roman Catholics are tempted mm-hmm. to do. Um but Lutherans have done it now. I'm not saying oh, yeah. that. Yeah, right. Yeah, um, exactly. And now practice. Uh, Jason, I'll throw it to you again. Um, practice maybe is a word that in English does make more sense for people. But when we're talking about doctrine and practice with the church, what what, what would you say practice is? I think um, I'm going to piggyback off a little bit what you said earlier when it came to like a medical doctor, right? Medical doctor practices medicine, mm-hmm. right? Um, and it's kind of, I think it's kind of interesting too, where when you talk about a doctor of medicine, they practice medicine, um, yeah, much like a lawyer. But, and the, right. and I was going to, and that was where I was going is oh. that, that when they're back in the beginning with these unit, there are really three degrees that you could get, right? A doctor, a lawyer, or a theologian, right? You'd, you'd study theology, you'd study law, or you'd study medicine yeah. and the doctor of medical doctor practices medicine the lawyer the juris doctor practices law and we don't maybe think about this too much but in many ways the theologian's job is to practice theology when and which is not just to study these abstract truths but when it comes to taking these truths of scripture these teachings of the church and applying them to people, right? Applying them to, um, individual souls and, and, you know, in, I would say individual souls for their primarily for their salvation, but that also goes beyond just, you know, a one-on-one type of thing to the, uh, I would say the broader application and use of these teachings when it comes to living life as a Christian in the church, in the world. Is yeah, that... so the, you know, the doctor's not just memorizing the bones and organs for yep. fun then, like the kings of Israel. Right. But so that he can put them to good use. Mm-hmm. Um, practice is, I w- tell me if you think I'm wrong in this. I would say practice is where we're granted more latitude in the scriptures probably than in doctrine. Mm-hmm. But practice is probably what more division has come out of than doctrine over the years. Yeah, I think you could certainly make that. You could you could certainly make that argument. You know, if we're now, now things like church government, so Presbyterians, Episcopalians, yep. like, you know, Congregationalists, that I suppose that is doctrine too, because someone would say that's ecclesiology, the doctrine of the church. <clears throat> ah, but mm-hmm. there's a lot of practice involved there, worship styles, um, the. Uh, uh, 
food, right? Mm-hmm. You've had yeah. seven-day yep. Adventist or others who have yep. issues like this. Um, dress. Uh, well, even, you know, fish on fish on Fridays or, yeah. you know, I mean, there there's a bunch of things that, you know, you can talk about that are much that are still really kind of everyday impact type of thing with with a lot of these things, you know, um, even though they've been controversies in the past, right? Mm-hmm. And so Protestants as a whole have tended to recognize um, more liberty in practice than was afforded in Roman Catholicism or even is still afforded today. But they've been as good as Roman Catholicism since the Reformation. Sometimes it really having practices that they legal, become legalists about, right? Mm-hmm. That, right. Um, they can become defining. On the flip side, you've also had among some Protestants kind of like the tossing out of any practice as an indifferent thing. Um, and you think of eventually in America, um, you'll, you'll get Protestant denominations that have almost no trappings of historical Christian practice. Um of what churches would have looked like or, mm-hmm. or done. And uh, and so you've got these two ditches. And I would say American Lutheranism has largely tried to navigate them, but often maybe falling in one or another so that you can have, um, in Wisconsin Synod history, this real concern about legalism. Yep. <clears throat> they were going to make too many rules. And then you see other times in Wisconsin history where we're going, um, okay, this is getting... Too loosey goosey, right? This is sending mixed messages, and and I think there, I guess what I would ask Jason is, and we got five minutes. Yep. Maybe um, the thing to remember with practice is that while we can speak of some practices, and we'll talk about this more, I think in the next. I like how we're setting this up. Right. While there are some practices that are adiaphora and different things, practices can also begin to preach. Mm-hmm. In certain contexts, and in those ways, when that happens, um, what we do can become very important, even if um, we're debating about free things, um, choosing between. um, There can be contextual situations in which um, Christian love um, calls for either the rejection of or the adoption of something. Is that... um, yeah. That, that the scriptures don't teach that practice is just that the that, that practice never preaches or teaches. I don't think, right? Is it fair right. to say that? No, I think, yeah, I think that's absolutely fair to say. I think the idea that um, where scripture gives us much more freedom in practice, I think part of the reason for that is applying these things in certain contexts, in, in individual contexts in many ways. Um, it's hard to, you know, scripture is not a policy manual that says this is going to cover every single one of these situations. So it presents teachings, principles, and says now in Christian freedom, apply these things. Thoughtfully. Thoughtfully. But at the same time, it also practice as, as it plays out in reality, um, practice also can be an indicator and well, number one, maybe I should back up one step first. Practice should be formed from your teaching, right? Mm-hmm. That that when you understand this is what Scripture teaches, and so we as a church teach this, um, your practices then should be formed from those teachings, right? Uh, and sometimes when 
you start to see something change in practice or practice that's different or practice that is unfamiliar or practice that came from other things, there, there are questions or concerns at the very least that come up to say, well, wait a second. Why? Why has this changed? And then should it change? And, and, um, and there have been times where it's been, you know, people have maybe maintained at least, no, this is what I teach, but practice perhaps has pointed some, and that's been used as a, um, almost a deceptive thing at times in the church. Uh, and then there have been other times where practice has, as I, I think you were kind of hinting there too, that practice has said, this is, this sets us apart because it is drawn from our teaching. And in that way, it's not really an indifferent thing because it is an accurate reflection of what we teach and really a confession to others that this is what we teach yeah. and this is what we hold to. And for us to go away from a practice like this, and again, kind of intentionally avoiding specifics as far as that, because yeah. that leaves us room to talk later. But, um, you know, to go away from that would say, you know, maybe um, we need to reexamine our confession of that teaching and, and yeah. how that's how that is impacted or how that is reflected and then in that practice and how that impacts our teaching and yeah and on the flip side sometimes holding on to something can be equally yes. problem problematic yep. you know if static if if practice becomes static mm -hmm. and there's a time in which or a place in which the, that practice is not accomplishing the purpose for which it was originally adopted right and instituted freely by the church um then this can be a problem too and in both those situations where there's change or not change the mm -hmm. The reason practice maybe sometimes becomes more difficult than doctrine <clears throat> to avoid division is because people th take some of these things as realm of opinion and preference, and there's mm -hmm. nothing we can become more protective of than yeah than opinion and preference. Um, we're about time. Was that that was okay, huh? We started yeah, off think, right. Yep. And I think we can pick back up on this. So this is just overview. What do we mean by doctrine and practice? How do they relate um, in Lutheran teaching? And I think in the scriptures, right? And right. maybe we can dive into the scripture and some examples coming up here. Um, we hope you enjoyed. We hope you'll stick with us. We will. We have. I've got two episodes to produce and get out, and I will try to do that soon. Um, in the meanwhile, we hope you will join us in letting the bird fly. I'm just a janky. I say I'm up, I'm not around. 